This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. That was not pretty. Uh, the Houston Rockets come home for game three after two very close games in Oakland uh, against Golden State. Looked like we had a hell of a series on our hands. Uh, Rockets were very impressive there. Really could have, should have won both of those games. Uh, it might have, if not for Dwight Howard injuries. They come home for game three and just lay an egg, get completely destroyed, a perfect storm of poor play by the Rockets and outstanding play by the Golden State Warriors, a 35-point drumming, 115-80 to 80 by Golden State. Uh, the Rockets are now down 3-0 in this series. I'm here with my good friend, uh, the great MK Bauer of the Sports Exchange. MK, I appreciate you doing this. And... Uh, we are in a very interesting dilemma. No team has ever come back from an 0-3 deficit. That's where the Rockets find themselves right now. It was everything that most people expected to happen in games one or two in Oakland, and it happened tonight, which is, I think, a respectful nod to what the Warriors are, are heading towards in terms of pursuing the championship. Look, we can spend a lot of time talking about how fantastic Steph Curry was on tonight, and his shooting is otherworldly, clearly. But I thought they set the tone, now speaking of the Warriors, they set the tone defensively in that first half, particularly the first quarter, and showed you all that they have become this season relative to what they were last year under Mark Jackson, a dominant defensive team with great offensive weapons to complement that. No matter what the Rockets tried, it did not work because Golden State was so engaged defensively, and then once the Rockets felt like they had some sort of energy, they could try to muster a comeback, then Steph Curry stepped in and shut the door on them with, with enthusiasm and vigor. I, I don't know how the Rockets figure out a way to, to get their resolve back, to get their confidence back, because to the point you're making, they played so well in games one and two and were just that close to winning a game in Oakland. And then to come back here with, with the thought process of if we play a little bit better, we can't even a series, and this just get blasted like they did tonight, I don't know how you come back from that. Granted, we've seen them do it before, obviously, against the Clippers, but the Clippers are not the Warriors, and I think the Warriors smell blood, and they sift it in the water, and they're ready to take the next step and get to the NBA Finals. You know, I, I want to talk a lot of things here. Uh, I want to talk a big picture. I want to talk about this game as well. Maybe just almost get it out of the way, just uh, sort of cathartic to get it out of out of my system. Steph Curry, as you mentioned, goes for 40 points. He hits seven of nine from three-point range. Some of his three-point shots were just... I, I don't know how to describe them. They were, they were absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. You're exactly right. He only needed to score six points for this team to win. Uh, that's uh, how um, you know how much they won by. James Harden was three of sixteen from the field. They did a fantastic job defending him. I think this series illustrates uh, how good of a team Stephen Curry has. How, how these two guys are are great players, very similar, on the same level, and how hard James Harden has to work compared to Steph Curry to get his points tonight. He had wave after wave of defender. 
guarding him, Clay Thompson, uh, Harrison Barnes took him at times, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Uh, there are the Warriors can throw constantly a long, athletic player who can guard multiple positions at James Harden at all times. The Rockets are throwing Pablo Prigioni and Jason Terry uh, at Stephen Curry, and it's not working. Uh, I thought the, the, the scoring that, that Curry had tonight was superfluous. Uh, there's no other way around it. It's dazzling. It was incredible. And to the point you made, a lot of it was just kind of unnecessary because of what Golden State did defensively. And it really boiled down to what they are defensively and what they have in, in reserve in terms of complementary players to, to Steph Curry relative to what the Rockets have. And tonight, what, what, when Golden State came out with, with a, a game plan to have a big lined up behind the primary defender on Harden, constantly. So even if Harden beat his man with a dribble, there was a big waiting on him, basically like a, a staggered double team. Well, the Rockets could not counter that in terms of finding someone else offensively to provide the scoring punch necessary to keep them in the game. A. B. They had nowhere near the defensive energy, um, the, 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 the potential, the fight to go in and just stop everything Golden State did. And, and look, let's look at it like this. Golden State scored 30 points in the first quarter and Steph Curry only had three. Yeah. So they did just fine without him until he got warmed up late in the second quarter and obviously caught on fire in the third quarter. They did not need him to become the dynamic score that he was tonight. He just did so because he felt like it. So I think that the gap that you're talking about is so you know evident because the Rockets have to take that next step defensively as a franchise to compete with a team like Golden State. And they have to find somebody to complement James Harden as a score in the backcourt or at least as a playmaker to where so much isn't on his plate. I thought his performance in Oakland was outstanding. Tonight he took a step back with his shooting because he was quite unsure how he was going to attack that double team. And then he missed some open shots. Let's not forget that. And the Rockets had nobody else in reserve to kind of fill that void. I think what we've seen from Golden State is that they don't have to have Steph Curry be the kind of player he was tonight to win games. They have other guys who can step in and make shots. But tonight when he made shots, on top of their defensive effort, what you have is a 35-point victory for them. You know, Rockets, uh, 80 points tonight, second lowest output they've uh, put up at any point this season. I think the lowest was uh, 69 against the uh, OKC Thunder earlier in the year. The Warriors' ball movement was absolutely pristine. They're rebounding. They destroyed the Rockets on the glass 60-39, to 39, outscored the Rockets 30-13 to 13 in second-chance points. That was big. A lot of times Steph Curry came away with an offensive rebound or a bounce. Somebody else would get the ball, and uh, the Warriors made the Rockets pay there. But you nailed it. Defense is what separates these two teams, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I have to tell this, little st- this story. I've told it before. In 2012-13 uh, season, uh, the Rockets dominated the Warriors. They were up. They beat them the first three times of the year. Warriors, and that was, the, I believe, the year where the Rockets uh, hit 23 threes in a game against uh, the Warriors and, and sort of embarrassed them. The final game of the year, the Warriors come in here to the Toyota Center, beat the Rockets by 30. Draymond Green, a, a, a bench reserve a guy who played just seven garbage minutes in that game, was talking trash and Chandler Parsons. After the game, without mentioning Green's name, said, hey, you know, a guy who doesn't even play uh, was talking garbage to us, talking trash. You know, that's that's ridiculous. And then he, you know, confessed afterwards that that was Draymond Green he's talking about. I think this is the greatest illustration of how you plug in one guy. Most people would say, hey, David Lee's a pretty good player. He's a big contract, scores a lot of points. You plug in one guy who who changes your defense, fills a hole defensively. This was a poor defensive team before sort of they added that switch. Uh, he has, I think, really burned the Rockets in this series. He's been very active, gotten a lot of rebounds, been 
very solid defensively. I think he changed this, this team completely. It's indicative of the commitment they made to defense. And, and to an extent, the Rockets did the same thing this year by acknowledging last year that as good as they were offensively, their defense wasn't good enough to get them over the hump. They had a renewed commitment to that side of the court, became a much better defensive team, a top-10 defensive team this season, and backslid a little bit offensively. Well, here's what the Warriors did. They, they made a commitment defensively this year by going more to the relationship between Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut inside, asking Steph Curry to do more, having having a, a maturing Klay Thompson guard some of the better wing players in the league, obviously having Andre Iguodala in reserve and Harrison Barnes do a better job defensively, but they didn't lose anything offensively. So what you have is, is the best-case example of what the Rockets want to be, a dynamic offensive team that shoots a lot of threes, gets points in the paint, but at the same time, a very good defensive team that can lock down to the teams, particularly in the postseason. The Rockets aren't quite there yet. And yes, you can make a, you can make a comment about the lack of Patrick Beverly, the lack of Donato Smolniunas, but really what the Rockets don't have is that depth of talent defensively to put teams in precarious situations offensively time and time again. I think they learned with a lesson from how poorly they played defensively in games one and game two. Cameron here tonight and to make a stand, make a statement about what they are, what they are defensively, and they did so. Everything else is just gravy. You know, Curry getting 40 points, 19 points in the third quarter is gravy. You know, Festus Lazili scoring points in the yeah. paint was, was, was gravy. It, it was not what they needed to win. What they needed to win was a better defensive effort, and their capability of playing that level of, of defense has shown throughout the course of the year, and that's why, to me, they're a team that can win a national, uh, NBA championship. It's because they're so good defensively on top of all the weapons they have offensively, and you don't quite get that from any other team in the league. And I don't mean to heap all this praise on the Warriors. I mean, they're, they're a fantastic team. They're worthy of it. But I think uh, I'm really getting at uh, uh, Rockets' focus and that what do the Rockets need to, to do. I mean, the Rocket, I think the Warriors have sort of added a large collection of players, as mentioned, that can guard multiple positions, are athletic, can run, can shoot threes, and can defend. And that is the future, if it hasn't been the past and present, of role players in the NBA. That's what the Rockets are are. Uh, craving and looking for to fill um, around James Harden and, and Dwight Howard. Look, the Rockets are always going to have a hole to some extent, whether it's smaller now than it used to be in their defense with James Harden. I don't think they had any intention of, uh, you know, being in the Western Conference Finals and starting Jason Terry when they acquired him. Certainly, a couple of second-round picks was the reason they made that move and some veteran experience. It's not fair to Terry to expect him to be a guy to lock down uh, um, Stephen Curry. At the same time, uh, you know, Dwight Howard was at the podium uh, after the game. He looked extremely angry. Uh, and I had heard from somebody behind the bench that he was letting Jason Terry have it. Um, just really angry about some defensive rotations um, that, you know, that he felt Terry should have either rotated uh, to maybe it was to Curry or somebody else. Um, and as we saw in the, in the fourth quarter, the, the four starters were out there minus Terry. Uh, Nick Johnson was playing over him. Um, and I think Dwight was asked, you know, if he thought this game was embarrassing. He said, look, there's a lot of words I can say about tonight, but I want to keep my teammates together. I'm speculating here at this point. I mean, it just may be a little bit uh, a frustration there. But I just think you've got two subpar defenders in Harden and Terry out there. You know, you, there's only so many holes that you can fill, I think. And, and, and Terrence Jones, to be quite honest as well, is not exactly a plus defender on the pick and rolls. I think you're making a most salient point. Though. How much blame can we really heap on Jason Terry at the stage of his career? This is not the role he came here to fill. And injuries have decimated this team to an extent to where he's being asked to do some things that he can't really do. And I don't think there are very, there's very, it's a very short list of players in this league that can guard Steph Curry when he's hot. 
and let's be realistic here. And, and asking Jason Terry to, to assume some sort of great responsibility for, for, for Curry scoring 40 points yeah. tonight is, 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 is silly, in my opinion. I think the gap between where the Rockets are relative to a team like Golden State is pretty significant. There's a reason why they won all four meetings this season. There's a reason why they won by 35 points tonight. There's a reason why, with James Harden playing ungodly basketball in Oakland, they won both of those games. They're a better team than the Rockets. How the Rockets close that gap is what you're talking about. Do they find a point guard that can be both a facilitator and a defensive mate? Is that guy available to them? Can they get him in a draft? Can they get him in free agency? Can they acquire him via trade? Do they have the depth at the four position to compensate for what they don't have in terms of um, the mix of scoring, rebounding, defensive, defensive playmaking? Are the bodies there that they can mix those players together and make that work? Do they have to go out there and find someone else that can fill that void? I think right now they're fine at the five. Obviously, they're very fine at the two. And Trevor Reese gives you enough of everything to be okay at the three. They need a little bit more bench production. They need much more production at the point guard position. They need some help at the four. Unless they, they get some of that help, they're going to still be where they are right now, potentially the second or third best team in the Western Conference. So, as mentioned, they're in an 0-3 hole now. Uh, this is something the Clutch City Rockets never came back from. This is something no team in NBA history has ever come back from. So let's not talk about you know what they need to do to win this series. Let's talk about what they need to do to win one game. Because I think most people agree the Rockets – have gotten to a point where you know this is as far as they were supposed to get if if they haven't exceeded expectations but in some people's view with some of the injuries that they've they've dealt with um i think it's been a very successful season but i don't think you want to go out with a sweep losing at home i think there would be a little bit of a cloud over you in the sense that the, the gap between you and the golden state warriors is just so massive so before we talk uh, you know dive into a little bit of uh, what they need to do to compete with the Warriors next season what can they do just to get this game this next game for it was interesting hearing Mikel speak pregame about adjustments at this level and at this stage of a series and how they're minimal because you really don't have much time between games there's travel involved between games two and game three obviously there's no travel involved between three and four but you got one day of practice or one day of shoot around however you want to look at it in terms of what the Rockets do to approach the deficit they face tonight I think clearly step one is figure out how you attack that double team I think it was clearly thwarting James Harden and therefore yeah. the Rockets uh, as a whole. Guys have to make shots off of his passing. He has to find a way to get aggressive without drawing offensive fouls. He needs to find those cracks in the defense. People always you know, laud him for finding. He couldn't find that tonight. I think it was pretty clear that he felt stifled by what he saw ahead of him and either dribbled out of it, passed out of it, or waited for his turn and then missed some open shots. So I think that's first and foremost our top priority. Look, you cannot get beat 60-39 to 39 on the glass to the Warriors. You just can't. And that's not a great rebounding team by any stretch of the imagination. The Rockets are a very good offensive, offensive rebound team in particular, rebounding team overall. You have to be better than that. And I think some of that was a snowball effect of what happened early in the game. But you got to be better on that side, or at least in that aspect of the game, rebounding. And then third, you got to find some sort of way to lock up at least slow down Steph Curry. You can't just give him open look after open look. It's been the same thing for three games. I think there was all this blaming going around in games one and game two. Well, tonight, he still had plenty of open looks, and he buried all those open looks. Do whatever it takes to make sure he's not getting those shots. If you've got to get him on his behind, get him on his behind on occasion, take some fouls, put him on a line, but you can't put him in positions where he can warm up. And I thought tonight, some of the open looks he got in the late second quarter opened the door for what you saw in the third quarter, where he just buried you with open jumpers. I understand he's the best shooting guard we've seen in a very long time, but you can't afford to make it easier on him by giving him clean looks in the rim. You got to make him work for it, and I don't think yeah. the Rockets did a very good job of that tonight. Yeah, I would agree with you, but and you just made that same point. But it is so difficult to guard a guy 
who can take a, a light screen from 35 feet and pull up from 30 like we saw tonight top of the key and just bury it. And at that point, you just say to yourself, what can you do? I think you've, you you have to stop the three. You, you you invite him to penetrate. It's like almost like the opposite of Harden. You, know, you, 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 you want him to penetrate, even though he's extremely dangerous in that situation, because he's just so deadly from three-point range, seven of nine tonight. And just the quick release just boggles the mind uh, how quick he can get this off. Uh, Josh Smith and, and Terrence Jones. Rockets absolutely need to get more from him tonight. Jo- Josh Smith, frankly, was the only guy who was hitting threes, though, tonight. Three of five. The rest of the Rockets were two for 20, uh, for crying out loud. Um, frankly, the Warriors, outside of outside of Curry, were four of 19 from three-point range. Those guys are going to uh, uh, turn it on again as well at some point. So, so we talked a little bit about that. That's, that's, I think, the big step for the Rockets. At least get a game. Let's go back to, to Oakland for game five. But... But bigger picture, because like I said, I don't think it, and I wouldn't consider it a failure for the Rockets to lose this series. They've got to figure out how to compete next year. Their window is is small. Next year is a very big year. They've got to take another step. Um, how do they compete with this team when it does look like the gap is pretty large? We've we spent a lot of time this year talking about point guard help. I think clearly that's that's step number one. You got to find a point guard that at least gets you closer to Steph Curry, not catching up with Steph Curry, but closer to where he is as a player. You can't afford to have the gap that you have right now in terms of what the, the players that are on the court for the Rockets in this series relative to what Steph Curry provides to Warriors. That, that's A. Um, B, again, how do you address where you're, where you're deficient at at the power forward position? Is it about going out and finding another body? Is it about being patient and believing that Terrence Jones can continue to develop as a young player, as a guy who lost a lot of time this year due to injury, and maybe if he plays a full 82-game schedule, he's a much better player than he has been throughout the course of this postseason. Do you believe fully in Donatus Yunus in terms of him continuing to develop, or do you believe that you got to find a guy who's a little bit more of a veteran who can kind of come in and give you some tough defense, give you some more rebounding, um, and give you the, the complimentary scoring you don't have right now, at least consistently? Because I think clearly their defense and their rebounding at the four has been lacking by and large through the course of the season. I think everything else is fine. Uh, at some point, Moore is going to keep working his magic and get some bench production. And I think if the scene were healthy, you would be fine with the bench production you would have right now, where instead of you having those guys off the bench having to fill some starter roles, and they kind of weakened your bench a little bit. I think tonight was a clear example of the gap between the Warriors bench and the Rockets bench. They just didn't get anything from that unit tonight. So I think those are the th- three areas you have to address, because at this stage, um, who knows what's going to happen with the Clippers? And you and know, I talked about this in the post-game press conference. Who knows what's going to happen with the Thunder? I think there's a huge group of teams that are kind of in a, in a, in a, in a mess together um, as a second-best team in the Western Conference. If it's Memphis, San Antonio, um, Oklahoma City, the Clippers, I think the Warriors are clearly above everybody else. And if yeah. the Rockets' goal is to get to where the Warriors are and get into the NBA Finals next season, they have to figure out a way to close that gap. They can't really worry about anybody else. It's about keeping your eyes on Golden State and getting better than them. Yeah, and then you know the reason I told that story about plugging Draymond Green in earlier and how that completely changed the Warriors is I feel it relates to the Rockets in that hey they could they could add one significant player it could change this team completely in a positive direction. We've thrown out names not to say that they're obtainable, but just as far as ideal types of point guards next to uh, James Harden, we've thrown out uh, Kyle Lowry or I did. You mentioned Mike Conley. Those, I think, the type of guys that would have a huge impact uh, playing along next to him. How to acquire those type of players? <laughs> Not easy. You, I think the Rockets are going to be like they are every year. They're going to be in a, a situation looking for that team, um, whether 
Portland loses Aldridge and decides to go in a different direction or some other team, Toronto, what have you, that says, you know what, we're not going to be able to make it the, the way we're currently constructed. We need to go in a different direction, and the Rockets need to be willing, be ready to pounce. I think Clint Capella, as much as I love the guy, I'm not saying uh, that he's going to be traded, but I think as far as the Rockets obtaining via trade a significant player, Clint Capella may be their most significant trade asset. There's also the draft, and we've talked about some of the point guards available there. I don't know if necessarily any of those are going to you know, come out of the out of college ready to contribute, um, you know, and, and be that significant impact right away. Though we did mention Jerry and Grant at Notre Dame because he's already thirty five years old. He's, <laughs> exactly. he's old enough to step in and kind of be the kind of player you need at that position. Yeah, Pablo Prisciano's best friend when they were kids. So, so I, I think um, that's you know certainly a possibility. Um, and then we've mentioned Sergio Yule. Uh, a guy who did just win the EuroLeague, has accomplished most all, or if not all, of his goals overseas. He could be coming over this year. It really depends on how the Rockets use their MLE. So they have some options there. But I, I think you look at this series the way you looked at the series before it. Um, the point guard and the power forward are killing you. And these are the two spots where the Rockets need help. As you mentioned, Demo is out. Beverly is out. Not the guys you expected, but still, this is these aren't your positions of greatest strength. So I think the Rockets will be looking at upgrades at both, um, if not at least at point guard. I think that's the, the bare minimum they're going to try to improve. And, and they have to. I think what, even what's interesting as we have this conversation is that Patrick Beverly did not really have a good year for this team. Yeah. And you know, we're all kind of getting wrapped up in this whole discussion about, oh, how much better would they be if Beverly were here? Well, Beverly wasn't very good for this team. I think you know, his defensive representation was carrying him in spots this season where he wasn't really that great defensively. And he really started to come down a great deal regression-wise with his perimeter shooting. So I think they can figure out a way to make, if they keep Josh Smith, Smith, Jones, and Modinus work at the four. I don't think they can make what they have right now work at the point guard position, especially relative to what you have in the rest of the Western Conference. And I think, you know, we kind of bandied about some names. Nothing to me is more interesting than Kyle Lowry. I don't know if he's good enough defensively to be the kind of impact player you are, but he's a veteran. He's gotten to the playoffs a few times with, with the team that he's currently with. He's a very good playmaker. He has a toughness that kind of mimics what you get out of Patrick yeah. Beverly that I think would be a good fit here. And you would hope that he's matured beyond where he was when he left here. He had his issues with Kevin McHale years ago. So where he could understand the situation coming here, looking at this roster saying, man, we're one piece away from winning a championship, yeah. and that could be that piece. So there's a distinct possibility that Toronto could blow that thing up because they've had two ugly postseason pitchers um, um, scenarios back-to-back. And I think they're ripe for the picking. So, out of all the names we've talked about, he's A on my list. Everybody else has a gap between him and, and those and those players because I think he's the guy that maybe can help you the most and is the most successful. And I don't think Conley uh, will be no. available, but I, but certainly if Gasol leaves, Memphis is going to be a team that you know, they're going to they're try to retool. I don't think they're going to trade Mike Conley, but I, I think that's a team that you know it may, may take a step. Oh, well, they definitely will take a step back if they lose Gasol. But so a lot of these a lot of teams have free agents or or you know situations that may change this summer. We'll find out. But hey, there's still a series going on. I know we're we're talking a little bit about it, but I think. You know, we can see the writing on the wall as far as this team has. Uh, they've got a lot of talent. They've got a promising future. They've got, a, I think, a great core in, in Dwight, uh, Harden, and, and Ariza. They need to fix some holes. I think those holes have been shown in this series. Um, but we've got Game 4 coming up on, uh, on Memorial Day, and we'll see how the, you know, if the Rockets can avoid a sweep and take this thing back to Oakland. I think the, a gentleman's sweep is, is on their mind right now. Find a way to win this game and get it back to Oakland and let the Warriors take care of business there. But you've had too great of a year to let the season end on your home court. 
and I think you've had too great of a year to let the, the, the memory of this game kind of be in your mouth through the course of the offseason. Find a way to, 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 to buck up and play much better on Monday night than you did tonight and extend the series as best as you can. And, and the, again, take, take, take into consideration where you were as a franchise and how much you've accomplished this season moving forward and understand that this does represent a step forward as you get ready to go into offseason. Appreciate you doing this, man. Thanks. Thank you, Dave.